Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mine to lead me through the night. Consider how much time we plan and struggle and gripe and complain if we haven't had another vacation this year. How often we bark and complain when we haven't been able to do this or that on a weekend and fit in something of comfort and blessing and ease and benefit that we enjoy in our world. Most folks around the world, rather at least half folks around the world, they aren't even concerned with those kinds of things. It's just, am I going to eat today? And will I be able to sleep tonight? And will my baby make it through this sickness? It gives a little perspective on suffering, doesn't it? For most of us, we don't, we don't really struggle with suffering. For most of us in America, our struggle's on the other side of the spectrum. On the other side of the spectrum is comfort. That's more familiar to us. Convenience. What's, what's easy? I mean, really, think about it. Alexa should do our shopping. And she should get our purchases to our house the next day, if not within hours. Whatever we need, you know what? There should be an app for that, whatever we need. And the app should be free, and on the free apps, there should not be irritating ads. Can I get a witness? That's our world. That's the things that we exist and we expect. In our environment... All of our daily challenges, we believe, should be solvable from this one pocket device. Directions, Google Maps. Questions, Siri has the answer. Am I hungry? Yelp will tell me the best place. Better yet, DoorDash or Uber Eats to bring it to my house. Right here, I can call, I can text, I can email. There's social media. I can FaceTime, I can video chat. Right here, it's easy. I can do my banking. I can pay my bills. I can send money to family when I owe them for dinner, all while I'm sitting on the couch in my pajamas. Right here. Easy and fast. You need to do a do-it-yourself project on your home, on your car, on your lawn, whatever, a do-it-yourself. YouTube probably has an instructional video for that. Need a laugh, need inspiration, I can go down the line. You can laugh just choosing what emoji to use from your new update. All these things available in our hands, not just simple but fast. We want things fast. In fact, if our desires can't be simple and can't be fast, we're at least unhappy and at worst we are flat angry. That's the way we live. Here was a headline this past week in the news. This past week, headline in the news. Are you ready for this? Headline. Fast food drive through lines are getting slower. Oh, my God. Stop the presses. Call the UN. Get a task force. The lines are slower. At... Are you with me? 
That's a headline. It makes the news. Somebody spent hours of research dictating fast food lines are getting slower. What are we going to do? Already, I don't have to leave the safety and seclusion of my car. I barely need to interact with other humans, let alone stand in a physical line where I might have to look at somebody and have a conversation. I won't if I have my cell phone. I'll look down like I'm busy. Already, I don't have to get out of that vehicle. I talk to a machine. I might have to face one individual. I probably won't have to say much. And now, I just might have to deal with one more devastating hunger pain while I wait longer in the drive through line before I can stuff my mouth full of fries. That's our world. That, that's what we value we expect simple, we expect fast for almost everything. And these expectancies are so great that many people today, come on, listen to this for a minute. If we haven't thought it ourselves, we've heard it in the workplace or from someone we love. We are really concerned about stress. I'm stressed out because I wait too long. I'm requiring too much effort. I'm stressed. Stress is, is evil in our society. Stress is, is wrong. Stress shouldn't be endured by anyone. We're all looking for ways to de-stress and decompress and rest and relax. You know why? Because in America, comfort is king. That's what happens in America. Comfort is king. Now, I'm not here by any means to say that joy is wrong or pleasure is wrong or rest is wrong. Not at all. Those things are all good. Those things all have their place. Humans need these things. The Word of God supports and promotes and speaks of these things. In fact, the biblical concept of Sabbath is, best on, is based on rest and spiritual rejuvenation. You, you read the Scriptures and you realize humans need to laugh and we need to smile. Humans need to enjoy good company with friends and family. We need a good night's sleep. We need to take a vacation. All that stuff is well and good. And with our previous messages in this series, we talked about approval and then rejection. We talked the next week about control and uncertainty. This day, we're talking about comfort, and, and comfort becomes problematic when we raise it too high on our level of values. What I need most in my life is comfort. That's an American value. And when comfort becomes king, Suffering becomes our nightmare. Overvaluing comfort. When we raise it too high on our value list, overvaluing comfort causes problems in our ordinary day-to-day -day humanity. Solomon, wise Solomon, had some thoughts on the subject. I mean, he was more than just knowledgeable. Solomon could apply his knowledge and experience positive outcomes. He turned his talk into practice. And Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 20 and verse 13. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty 
to eat. Solomon also said these words, those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. Solomon witnessed some dangers of loving sleep and pleasure, of overvaluing comfort in our lives. Can I say this today? Comfort doesn't just leap from a healthy level to the top of our, our heap. It doesn't just make an all of a sudden judgment all the way to the top. Comfort doesn't work that way. Rather, comfort begins to get higher and higher on our values step by step at a time. When you and I overvalue sleep and pleasure and ease and comfort, we put our relationships in danger. Because comfort is so valued, when I put it so high, we expect benefits from others caring for us, but we're unwilling to experience any discomfort in caring for someone else. If I overvalue comfort, I want other folks to do for me while I'm going to excuse myself from the issues and the challenges and sometimes the suffering that relationships demand. Oh, there's no suffering in relationships, preacher. They're all good and awesome. Then why is it traditional marriage vows say for better or for worse in sickness? And in health, for richer and for poorer. Because relationships go through ups and downs and hills and valleys, and sometimes there are challenges. But if we overvalue comfort, we're not going to endure the challenges that long term, lifelong relationships require. And you know what? We become relationship poor. Solomon pointed out some human challenges. When we make, we make comfort our king, then our careers and therefore our incomes are in danger. When I overvalue pleasure, I'll spend money on personal hobbies and leisure while my children go without school supplies and clothes or food in the fridge. I splur on entertainment while missing insurance payments or missing rent when pleasure is overvalued. And pleasure is overvalued. We desire, you know what? I want big dollars for little or no effort. I want big money. I don't want training. I don't want education. No long hours, please. No inconvenient shifts, please. No additional responsibility. Certainly no additional accountability. Of course, I want all of that in a great retirement without my ever having to personally save or sacrifice. Can I get a witness? It's what America lives for. Comfort as the massive value. Our expectancies are high and our investment is supposed to be low. We expect no difficulties, no suffering and all the benefits. Of course, if we let comfort climb the ladder and become king, the kingdom of God, gets royally robbed. When our humanity desires great relationships without discomfort or solid finances without struggle, that's true, but also it's our humanity that expects kingdom blessings without any kingdom input. And again, that would be a wrong expectancy. Look what Jesus taught 
in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is telling us what it's like in his kingdom. It can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and trusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last. Notice this. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, then he left on his trip. He knew their abilities. He knew what they were capable of achieving. He didn't ask too much of any one of them. Verse 16, then the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master returned of his trip. He called them to give account of how they had used his money. Verse 20, the servant who entrusted the five bags came back with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags to invest. I've earned five more. He knew, he knew the understanding. He knew the expectation. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Same story with the man with two bags. Almost exactly the same wording. Take the two and replace it for five. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. There's those fears again. I was afraid I'd lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. The master knew this man's abilities, yet the man was afraid to use the ability and the skills that the master knew that he had and believed in him to invest. In fear, he chose what was easy and he did what was least demanding. Can I say this? He chose comfort above the call of God. Verse 26, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Well, that's direct. If you knew about me, verse 27, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest from it. When you comfort becomes king for you or I, then it's more important than pleasing the Lord. When comfort became king to this man, he couldn't even bring himself to do the very minimum that would bring pleasure to his Lord and Savior. Proverbs tells us about the human dangers when we overvalue comfort. But Jesus shed some light on the, the spiritual dangers when you and I overvalue comfort. Comfort. Jesus isn't pleased with wasted resources. He's, he's not happy with inactive abilities. And think about it this way. When Jesus departed the world, after his resurrection, after his final chit-chat with the disciples, before he's ascended up into heaven, he looks to them and says, Go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. But when comfort becomes king, that bag gets buried. 
It was through the words of the prophecy of Jesus. He said, the harvest is great. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. But when comfort becomes king, that bag also gets buried. When we overvalue comfort, we we cheat our families, we shortchange our employers, and we bury kingdom callings in the earth. The Apostle Paul informed Timothy in the last days before Christ's return, Paul said this, people will love pleasure rather than God. How right he was. For many people today, comfort really is king. And the suffering nightmare follows. The last thing in the world I ever want is to suffer To any extent. So how do we avoid these dangers? How do we steer clear of that? I don't know about you, but I I appreciate comfort in its reality and its healthy state. How do I keep it from climbing the rungs of my life values to a place where it becomes king and it starts ruining stuff in my life? How do I keep it in right balance well first rather than using just the human american perspectives on suffering and comfort how about we discover what the bible says about suffering and comfort first of all know this some suffering in our lives is because we made mistakes The Bible in Galatians chapter 6 just refers to it as the law of sowing and reaping. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. Sometimes suffering in our lives, according to the word of God, is just this. Poor choices equal poor outcomes. That's all there is. That's the truth of Scripture. Sometimes suffering is just a teacher to help us improve. Some suffering is the result of our spiritual battle as disciples of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, the scripture records this, You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. That's Paul talking. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Verse 12, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There it is. When I want to follow Jesus Christ, I know this. I'm going to run into things that are contrary to America's value of comfort. All day long, the media is going to tell me I deserve it easy and I ought to be comfortable. All day long, my coworkers, my neighbors, the value system of my business partners is going to say, you ought to have it easy, you need to take a break, you ought to be comfortable, everything ought to be smooth. But I've got to realize in the kingdom of God, that is not a truth. The truth is, when I follow Christ, I'm going to run into some bad things. I'm going to bump into some persecution. I'm going to have some hard times. It's going to be some pushback. And so suffering can be expected. 
The other thing about biblical suffering is this. Some suffering in our lives is there to make us grow. It's there to make us grow. In James 1, 2 and 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Later in James chapter 5, he talks about Old Testament prophets who are an example of that. Listen, you and I might think suffering is unfair. You and I might think we didn't ask for that. We don't deserve it. I don't need to be dealing with this. And all of those things could be true. And yet, there can be purpose in that suffering. Do we look for suffering? No. Do we seek it out? No. Do we worship suffering? No. But do I recognize I could learn something in this? Yes, that's a biblical understanding. And finally, boy, this one might be tough to hear. We usually don't lead with this when I'm trying to share the gospel with somebody. Sometimes suffering is in our lives because God designed it. What? Wait a minute. You mean I, I, I followed in, I signed up to have my sins forgiven? I was washed, had them washed away in baptism. I've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And you're telling me I'm still going to bump into some trouble. You're telling me that this God who washed away my sins is now going to put me through some stuff? Yeah. That's what this book says. The scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Well, you hear of him on the news. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you're an illegitimate child, not really his children at all. And since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? I bring comfort down a few notches on my American value system when I recognize, you know what? Some suffering, some discipline, some challenge is the love of an awesome God trying to make me into a better disciple, trying to press me into something better in his kingdom. Divine education shouldn't be feared but appreciated because it was orchestrated by our loving Father. So when we look to the Bible, we check this out. We find out not all suffering is the evil that some have made it out to be. How can we move comfort back down that ladder to reasonable levels? How can we stop this suffering nightmare? 
Well, we first exchange our American perspective with the biblical perspective. Suffering can be beneficial, as I've just discussed. But knowing this, we also need to do this thing. We need to discover the true source of all comfort. See, one of the things our society does and humanity does is it looks for ways to replace God in every place that it can. It looks for ways to get rid of and cause us to think and believe we don't need God. And so in our society, there are things we've elevated and talked as as comfortable and de-stressing and relaxing and things we've got to have. If you're going to have any comfort, here's what you've got to have. But let's see what Scripture gets again. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 19. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, here's the results. Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, you know what? We need to ask this question prayerfully on our knees in the word and with fellow disciples. Is my suffering reasonable? Is it biblical suffering? I need to find out if it's reasonable suffering. If it's not reasonable, if it's self-inflicted, if it's coming from somewhere that's not from Scripture, then I need to change my choices. But if it's reasonable suffering as part of my service to the king, then I need to stop doing the other things. I need to stop seeking the world's comfort. Hear me today. Some of us in the sound of my voice and others who may listen online, we start feeling the suffering that the Bible declares. Spiritual discipline, kingdom discipline, and spiritual battles, and things that are happening because it's a result of my pursuing God. And I go to human ways to find my comfort. You think my answer is in another vacation. think my answer is in sleeping for three or four days. Think my answer is in maybe some medication. I wouldn't dream of doing illicit drugs, but maybe the doc can give me some stuff to knock me out for a few days. Let me preach for a little while today. Human ideas of comfort will never satisfy our God-designed spiritual hunger for His comfort. When we're struggling and our suffering comes from biblical, reasonable things that the Word of God talks about, we recognize this could be a battle of the enemy. It's something allowed to make me grow. It's something designed by God to develop me. Then Peter has some instructions for us. Here's what he says. If you're suffering, is God-pleasing suffering? Don't turn to the world's world's answers for comfort. Instead, he says this, keep on doing what is right. Put it back on the screen. Keep on doing what is right. I'm going through it right now, preacher. I'm having a battle with some spiritual forces. Keep on doing what is right. I I feel like I'm being stressed and I I feel like I'm being challenged, preacher. Keep on doing what is right. 
stay the core, stand firm, stick to the truth of God's word, depend on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide to all truth. Don't cave in, don't turn to human comfort, keep on doing what's right. Keep doing what's right. First Peter 4, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you. Trust your lives to the God who created you. 2 Corinthians 1.3, Paul writes this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, the source of all comfort. God is a merciful Father. He is the source of all comfort comfort. I I don't need to look to a vacation. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not going to solve the spiritual comfort I need. He is the source of all comfort. In fact, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord spoke through Isaiah and said this in 51.12. I, yes, I, am the one, Isaiah 51, 12, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid? Man, hear me today. You've been fearful of suffering. It's been a nightmare in your life. You've been so afraid to act that you might suffer. Understand, the Lord said, I am the one who comforts you. Don't be afraid. He is a source of all comfort. Instead of looking like this world and making human comfort your king, why don't you make the comforter your king? Why don't you look to the one who created the heaven and the earth? I find my comfort in him. I find my comfort in him <laughs> First Peter 4:19 look again First Peter 4:19 So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God keep on doing what is right Trust your lives to the God who created you. Come on, you can read. For he will never fail you. He will never fail you. (laughs) Come on, folks. 
We've got brain cells. We got understanding. Our world cells as you're suffering and you've got trouble and things you can't face. You need to go down to the purple haze and dope yourself up on more marijuana. That'll bring the comfort you need. People in this world say you need to go down to the liquor store, pound down a few bottles of wine. That'll give you all the comfort you need. No, it's not solving problems. Why would I go that direction? I know this. He is the source of all comfort and he will never fail. He will never let me down. He will never come back void. He is the God of all comfort. Listen, listen, I'm just preaching to us as human beings living in a human world. Sometimes we get to going through some suffering. We get to going through a hard time. We feel the pinch of things and we think that the world's answers will answer for us. Well, you know what? If I had a better job, making better money, then I wouldn't be suffering. I would be comfortable. Hear me. I'm not in favor of working lame jobs and not seeking advancement. That's not what I'm preaching right now. But you do need to hear this. A better job is never going to replace the comfort of a holy Savior and the God and source of all comfort. Don't think your answer is in a better resume or your answer is in a bigger home or your answers in a better neighborhood that's not the answer he is the god of all comfort come on stand with me this morning look at psalm 23 and verse 4 the psalmist the psalmist knew exactly what i'm preaching today he said even When I walk through the darkest valley, even when the suffering is hardest, even when I walk through the darkest valley, here's what the psalmist said, I will not be afraid. I am not going to be directed and steered and controlled by fear. I'm not going to be motivated and my choices determined on fearfulness. Why not? For you, he says to the Lord, are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You see, the psalmist knew everything that Peter just shared. I'm getting some stress. I'm getting some pain. I'm getting some pushback from some things around me. I'm in an area where I feel God is stretching me and it's uncomfortable. It's God-pleasing suffering and I'm not sure about it. Then Peter said this, keep doing what is right. Trust in your creator who is the God of all comfort and know this for sure. He never fails. He never fails. (laughs) He never fails. It was the psalmist who said, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. 
I believe this is our prayer today, again offered from the psalmist in Psalm 119 and 76. Now, let your unfailing love comfort me, just as you promised me your servant. In this house today, if the word of God rings true in your spirit and in your mind, if the truth of God's word is spoken into your life, into your circumstance, into the bind you've been going through, I suggest you and I pray the prayer that David prayed. I suggest we pursue now, Lord. I've heard it. I receive it. I believe it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me just as you promised. Let your unfailing love comfort me just as you promised. We've been so afraid of suffering that it's become a nightmare. If we've allowed comfort to crawl too high on our life's ladder, can I call everyone today to turn to the God of all comfort, to turn to the one who, who never fails and he never lets you down. If that kind of prayer like David prayed sounds fitting for you right now, as they begin to play and sing, I want you to step out of your pew. I want you to walk down an aisle. I want you to come around this front area. I want you to stretch your hands under the Lord and pray like the psalmist prayed. Oh, Lord, I want your unfailing love to comfort me. I, I need, Lord, your power and your glory. You're the God of all comfort. I'm going to trust you. You're the one who has all the answers. I'm going to trust you. You're the creator of this body. You're the creator of humanity. I'm putting my life in your hands, Lord. I am trusting you. Oh, Lord, I don't have it figured out. I'm trusting you. You are the God of all comfort in every circumstance, and you never fail. Go on. Oh, hallelujah. If you're here yet in the audience and you don't need this prayer, come join with these others. Come pray with these others. Let's support one another in the work of God as fellow disciples. Let's lift one another up right now. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost, you give me peace.